When you drive down the highway, there are people going too fast in the fast lane, right up on your bumper. There are people cutting across from the fast lane all the way across to exit. There are people just cutting right in front of you and getting on their brakes. There are people going too slow when uh, the speed limit is right. You know, we're people doing different things on the highway, but you got your family in that car. You've got kids in the back seat. You want to make sure that whatever you're doing is safe and you arrive at where you're going. And then <laughs> to top it off, you got rain. And when rain falls in Houston, it rains, cats and dogs. You got all of that going on as you navigate your way forward. I understand we live in perplexing, difficult times, hard times, but we must navigate our way based on God's Word. God's Word is what makes us work together. God's Word is what makes us together again being productive and effective. I understand there's so much traffic right now, but His Word is a word where we can set our eyes on Jesus and run the race that is set before us. We can stay in our lanes. We can be productive. And no matter what the traffic is, because He will never leave us nor forsake us, because He will never turn His back on us, because His Word will remain true, because what He promises He will bring to, the, to fruition, we can walk by faith no matter the traffic so that we can work together, we can be together, we can be effective for his glory we could change lives we could make a difference so that the agenda of God is executed despite the traffic because we will get to his destination because he promises that if we stay focused the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly all we could ever ask or think we can do all things through Christ who while we're doing it keep us strong along the road stay focused Bibles to us, Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. As you do that, uh, please make sure that you understand that we're not saying you can't eat around the church just in life app because of the size of the rooms. We want to keep the protocols as best as we can so that no one is intimidated and therefore you are good about going to class. Okay, and those who want to meet today, you're welcome. You can meet like you're wanting to meet, if you know what I mean. Oh, me geez. <laughs> Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 12. This passage actually starts in verse 6, but y'all don't want me preaching from verse 6. We'll be here all day. Look at verse 11. Well, I'll be here all day. <laughs> in verse 11, it says, And when Peter came to himself, he said, Let now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary and the mother of John, who was also called Mark, famously known for John Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gate, a servant girl, Rhoda, came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind, meaning you are mad. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying it is an it is angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went another place. Dear God, we ask you to guide and direct this message as we seek to navigate the times we are in and not just sit through it. So that, Lord, in trials we get better we get wiser. We become even more deeply in love with you as we learn to trust you. We become more surrendered to you. 
as we learn to trust you. Lord, we come, become more in tune with the spirit movement in our lives as we learn to trust you. So God, we pray that you would teach us that this stuff is not new. It's been here. You have given us one pattern after the next as to how we do this. Guide us, we pray, so that your name is blessed. Your name is glorified. You're magnified. And before the world, they see you live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things I've had to learn coming here from a foreign country is what I grew up experiencing, but within the context of black history. What I grew up experiencing is in a family of eight, in a community of neighbors, was many times going through the fence with some eggs, going through the fence with some sugar, going through the fence with some flour. Because the reason why I ate is because the neighbors shared. It was a community of people that allowed for us to be able to have what we had as a family. I experienced that even with my friends. My dad would go and get these big bags of, of oranges and these tall cans of crackers. Uh, we call them biscuits. Doesn't make sense. That doesn't make, communicate well, so I say what it is here in this country, crackers. And we would pass them out, and that was our snack. And my dad would be so upset at me because he bought that for a family of eight, and I'm feeding the community. And he used to be so upset. Boy, didn't I tell you. I remember him driving up one day, and I'm taking the oranges and throwing it to my friends and dropping them the packs of crackers. And he drove up and stopped, and I knew I was dead because I did it again. But for whatever reason, he didn't spank me or fuss. He just told my mom, apparently, stop this boy from doing this. I grew up with that. I, I remember see, thinking through the history of us as a community, a community of people who would not ride the bus because of what took place, and we fought to be able to have the privileges that we have today. Sometimes we become like the Jews. What do I mean? The Jews, when they started to experience all of the benefits from all of the stuff that took place, they forgot their history. They forgot what made them strong. They forgot what made them powerful under David. They forgot well, how God designed them. And they forgot because of the resources they had, better education, more money, better jobs. They forgot that everything that they got was because of community and what that did in terms of the will of God blessing them as a people. They forgot. And what we don't seem to realize as COVID has brought out, and that is that God made us first as a couple developing a tribe. And from that tribe became a nation. And people cannot operate without that tribal, that community function. So when COVID came and people can't come together, folks, the suicidal rate is high. Isolation has made people angry and upset and frustrated. Isolation has made people become hopeless because we are not designed that way. And what we are forgetting is because of the resourcefulness that we now have. You could just go Amazon and go grocery shopping. Because of the resourcefulness we have with technology and the ability to use technology, could you imagine when this virus was what it was if the internet and everything attached to cyberspace shut down? Could you imagine how isolated people would be and how deadly that could have been? Just the other day, a man had a wreck, and in his frustration of the wreck, he got on top of the bridge and jumped over couldn't handle anymore. What we seem to forget 
is that the resourcefulness tends to make us feel that we got it going on. When fundamentally as human beings, we have to have each other. Because God designed us that way. He designed us to need one another. He designed us to operate as a community. He designed us to be powerful as a community. So a powerful group of African Americans allow us to sit here today. Allow our kids to go to whatever schools. Allow our people to have opportunities and jobs. Allow us to sit behind the desk, we said, but they died for us to have that privilege as they worked together, walking across bridges and fighting through cities. We tend to forget what that has done, and we now sit back and criticize and become embarrassed by what was took place. That's what resourcefulness tends to do until the virus comes, and then we realize how isolation can destroy. What we don't seem to understand is that God is a community. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They didn't operate as just God and there's not three in one. They didn't operate that way. So when they made man, they made man to think community because they are a community. God made God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, angels, archangels, sheriffs. You have all these ministering angels that take place because heaven is full of his creation and he's constantly thinking community because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the community. Well, he didn't make man to be isolated. That's why we can't survive when we're isolated because he designed us in his image. He designed us to need one another. Just like he can, Jesus Christ can be on earth and walk on water without God, giving him permission. But he would still pray to the Father. Jesus Christ can raise Lazarus from the dead, but he would still talk to the Father. Jesus Christ can raise himself from the dead, but he would still depend on the Father. So even though he is God all by himself in his very nature, he's God. He still depended on the community to make him strong when he's already strong. Understand, when we come to this passage of Scripture today, God brought them back to who they are. He brought them back to who they are, and that is a community. Yes, there's Peter, James, and John and all the disciples, but at Pentecost, when he put this group of people together and he organized the church to get started, and Peter and them go out and they're preaching. What they started to develop was a community of people. But in developing a community of people, Satan don't like that. So Satan sent the first virus against the church. The virus just happened to be named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul came into the church community. And in that church community, he scattered it all over the world. It was God's design. God's design was in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to tell them to go to all the world. So, but Paul was the one who created that to take place. And then when you start having success, it's the worst thing. Success brings jealousy. Success brings people to become angry at you. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees became angry because they couldn't stop these Christians from coming together and becoming powerful and productive. And because they couldn't stop them from becoming powerful and productive, they started to persecute the church. And even got Herod a part of it. And when Herod became a part of it, he started killing people. And so he took Peter and he locked him in jail with the plans to satisfy the Jews and kill Peter. And to satisfy him and kill Peter. Yeah, but God had a different plan because of the village that God created prior to Peter being locked in jail. You see, today, what we have not realized is that the way God designed us, we got to be a part of the village. It is not a Paul Kenning's thing. It's not trying to talk you into coming to church or being a part of the fellowship. I understand the virus. This is not the first one. The church was scattered. They ran everywhere. But the church in Jerusalem, they still were functional. They still were a community. As a matter of fact, a few chapters back, 5,000 people joined church on one day. So they were a church of a mega church, probably 10,000, 12,000 people in the book of Acts. And that community of people became necessary 
for the work of God to be productive. See, Satan will attack. He wants to see the church scattered. Why? The only organism, and I say organism, not organization, that God is committed to is the church. He's not committed to no Republican Party, Democratic Party, uh, 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 Independent Party, Libertarian Party. God is not into none of that. We are into that. We put our hope in what the world puts their hope in. That's a repeat of the Bible. What did the Jews do? They put their hope in Saul. And God got angry because they, they said, I don't need you as king anymore. We need our own king. Uh, we don't need, we need somebody here to go fight our case. And God said, okay, here is Saul. And what did Saul do? Create a mess. And God in his grace sent David to bring Christ. Why? He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So God canceled the Saul, brought David, whose heart he knew, to bring Christ who will establish himself right back as king. You see, understand, we've repeated history in that. The only organism that God is committed to is the church. That's why Satan has to attack it. That's why Satan has to disperse it. That's why Satan has to create so much fear. We become non-productive because once the church dies, it's over. In the book of Revelation, when the book of Revelation starts, since you missed Bible study, when the book of Revelation started, what does he start with? The church, before he stalks, talks about how he will effectively judge man and reestablish his kingdom. Why? When the church failed, you got revelation, chaos, problems. You got the beamer seat, and you got the great white throne judgment, and hell, and Satan going to hell, and all this crazy stuff happening because the church in revelation one church after the next, he threatens to take his lampstand. Understand, folks, we could be whatever we want to be, as resourceful as we want to be, and achieve whatever we think we want to achieve in life. But together again, when we focus as a community, ah, you, don't, you can't imagine the power that is here because he's king of kings. And that's why when we think that God is silent, he's at work. God is at work. But God chooses to work through us. Well, let me put it a different way. He chooses to work through us. That's what he chooses to do. He chooses to work through us, a community of people. He calls his family. He calls the church his bride. That's what he chooses to work through. It's not that he can't work without us. book of Revelation shows when the church fails what God would do. But he chooses to work through us. But we choose to focus today on how he could work for us, not how we could work for him. It's as if God is not already working. It's not as if God is already waking us up. It's not as if God is already providing us jobs. It's not as if God is already providing us the resources to eat every day. It's not as if God is not keeping the sun shining, the earth moving. It's not as if God is doing all this stuff. We act like God is doing nothing because we're chasing something that God is not as interested in as we are. And so we want to say, God, work for me. And God is going, when did I ever stop working for you? When will you work for me? And that's why he says here in, in chapter 12 of Acts, verse 11, he says, Peter is going to die. Peter doesn't have any power. So how you know that? Look at verse 2. Peter's going to die. And verse 1 wouldn't hurt you. How about the time Herod the king laid hands? Now about the time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him? was being made fervently by the church of God, the community, the village. Now, how do you know Peter's going to die? Because when Peter gets out of jail, the soldiers were put to death. In their system, the soldiers received the same penalty that was supposed to be given to the prisoner. 
So if the prisoner was supposed to be in prison for 10 years, the soldiers was put in prison for 10 years. They were guarded, the person they guarded, whatever the sentence was on that person, they get it if the person escaped. So the fact that Herod took them and killed them in order, because Peter escaped said that Herod was going to please the Jews and kill Peter. So Peter had no power. Herod is powerful. You don't have to go to the act of Congress. You don't have to have a court hearing to determine whether or not he's going to kill Peter. He's Herod. He can do what he wants to do when he wants to do. He locks him in jail. He's going to die. He's going to kill him. It's going to make the Jews happy. He is trying to run the Jewish nation. If he could keep the Jewish leaders happy, he can be Herod. He was an evil man. So he, Peter has no power at all to do anything. It's like we don't know where this virus is. We can't stop it from happening. You know, you got to get a whole different mask now. They get you squivalized. I tell you what kind of mask you got to wear. N95 mask. You got to wear these things. And they got another one coming out. Another virus. Not a mutation of the virus coming out. Got all these different things happening. I don't have any power. This world that had planes and tanks and missiles and could go to space and could do math calculations that'll blow your mind. This little bitty thing that you gotta look at in a microscope, shut it down. Shut it down. Planes can't fly. People can't work. Scientists are locked in their labs for days. Why? Guy of power. Peter, powerless in jail. You would think, God, what are you doing? You just, you just let James, the brother of John, not James, the brother of Christ. James, the brother of John, die. Come on, Jesus. You ain't doing nothing. Ah, but he was. But he was looking for the community. What are you doing? See, see look at verse 11. They're praying. They're praying at Mary's house, who's the mother of John Mark. Many people believe this is the very house that the Lord's Supper took place at. Because she had a large house. She was a well-to-do woman. Actually, she was the sister of the apostle Barnabas. And that's why John Mark, who's her son, is his nephew. That's why this big argument about John Mark develops. And John Mark became a great teacher in the Bible and wrote the book of Mark. Because his mother had this kind of heritage. Watch this. You got to watch this in this text. This woman knows that people are being persecuted and dying. She knows that people are going through all kind of pain and difficulty. But what does she do? She still has church. She doesn't get intimidated. Go, oh, no, 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 come to my house. Oh, y'all better not be coming up in here. These people are trying to kill folks. They're trying to destroy people. No, she don't do that. She has a large house, a large gathering, and a group of people in it. And they're praying. See, in the midst of all of this, God is at work. God is at work because the village did not quit. The village did not run and hide. The village is in plain sight praying, but they can't be touched. The soldiers can't touch them. Herod can't touch them. The Jewish leaders can't touch them. Why? God is using them. God is using them. In verse 11, he says, and when Peter came to himself, because Peter didn't know what was going on. I mean, could you imagine? Imagine this with me for a minute. Just imagine this for a minute. You're in a jail cell, right? And you got, you got these handcuffs on you, and you're in a soldier jail cell. Where, where the soldiers, bar the, 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 the barracks of the soldiers are near these jail cells. And you are, um, got so guards, but you got soldiers in the vicinity. And then you are strapped in these handcuffs that were cruel handcuffs. And you got chains on the, on the, 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 the jail cell that you're in. And this angel appears and stuff just falls off. Not get a hammer get a gun and shoot the lock off. None of these things. Things are just psh, fall off. Next place you go to the jail cell, psh, fall off. 
and the soldiers are standing right there. And you in human flesh walk right by them and they don't see you. God blinds their eyes, apparently, so they can't see you. Could you imagine because some folks are in a house that could have been killed, that could have been slaughtered, that did not care what could go wrong because this is why this woman's son became such a giant of a leader because he watches his mother's courage in the midst of everything that is taking place. This man, John Mark, that Paul got mad at for a minute, but he kept pressing on and kept pressing to the point that no matter how mad Paul got at him, Paul now has to write to him and speak highly of him because he didn't quit because he watched his mama who in the midst of everything done quit, soldiers could come after her. Here's an apostle Peter strapped and put in jail. But God is at work because his people are at work as a village. Ah, uh, hear me. You, you're in this thing. Hey, what's going on? Hey, stuff is off my feet. Angel is talking to me. You would think you sleep too. Or you pass out. You watch the jail cells open. This ain't the first time it happened to Peter. Chapter 5 it happened. The jail cells open. You're walking past the guards and they didn't put no chump change guards out there. These are guards that would kill you in a minute and go eat dinner. And they put these tough guards because they got to make sure you don't get out. And they walk right by them and you're now in the street and then this angel leaves. The angel doesn't say, well, Peter, I need for you to go and preach the gospel. Peter, you've been released by God to go out here and to do what God is saying. No, he already got that message. That message was given to him in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus Christ rose and went to heaven in front of him, going into all the world and preach the gospel. I don't need to repeat the message. I don't need to remind you that you said, Peter, oh God, I love you. I love you. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. You got the message. It is not like you didn't get the message when I walked on earth and I said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I will be with you always until the end. It's not like you didn't get the message, so I don't need to tell you anything new. The angel disappeared. Huh. What, was God needs to write us a new Bible? Does God need to come and give us a third Corinthians? Does God really need to come and give us a new Jude? Does he have to write a whole new book of Revelation? He's done. He said, it is finished. It is done. Don't add nothing to it. Don't take nothing from it. The person who does will have a plague put on their life. It is done. There's no new message. God has kept you through the virus. He sustained you through the virus. What more you need to know? He didn't keep you for nothing. He didn't preserve you for nothing. James, the brother of John, is gone. But he kept Peter. You're here. You're alive. God allowed this virus to be where you could be live on live stream. We got a Bible in front of us. You could buy it any place. If you feel like it, you could download the thing. We have the Holy Spirit in us to illuminate it. What else do we need? God, help me. God is going, oh, why are you helping you? God, do something for me. When did I ever stop? The Bible says if God ever stops speaking, the world falls apart in Hebrews chapter 1. Every day he's speaking. Just keep your eyes open. You'll see the rain falling in northeast Houston. It ain't falling in southeast Houston. You would see the flood come upon Houston, and you could still run to Sugarland or someplace. You could go. You could be in the, on the island, on an island, on an island, and the flood come over the Bahamas island, and only half the island is full of water drowning. The other half on an island is high. Who saved them? Because of what he said to Noah, he maintained it. That's why you still see the rainbow. What is he not doing? My sons, Dad, why do we got to wash dishes? Why don't you wash the dishes? I've already worked. I've already worked. Your mom is a homemaker. 
stuff worked. That's why you're standing in the kitchen. That's why you have dishes to wash and you have soap to wash it with. And the only reason you're washing dishes is because you just ate the food off the dish. And you're asking me why I don't wash the dishes? I've already worked. You now have to work. God is at work. When Peter came to himself, he said, I know for sure the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand. And when you see hand in the Bible, it means from the power, authority, control that Herod has over the Jews to keep them fighting these Christians. <laughs> And from all that the Jewish people were expecting, they were looking forward to the morning time when he would bring me out and kill me in front of them. They were hoping for that, to see me die. But the angel of the Lord, look at Hebrews chapter 1. When we choose to walk with God, guess what he sends us? An angel. Angel in the outfield? That's really not what I'm saying. But this is what he does. When God, when we choose to make God's life and what he calls us to, to become the lifestyle, the commitment that we need to live and to walk by and to not <laughs> turn our backs in the midst of whatever God allows, this is what he said. See, we want to do nothing for God. We just want God to bless us in the city, bless us in the fields, bless us when we come and when we go. But God don't ask me to do nothing. Don't be telling me to come to church. Don't be telling me to serve in the church. Don't tell me to give my money to nothing. This is my money. God, don't tell me to go and share the gospel. Don't tell me to do all this stuff. I don't want to hear about my spiritual gift. But God blessed me. God is saying, I've already blessed you. That's why you're talking right now. What are you doing for me? That's what released Peter from this prison. It's what he was doing for God that became so important. He can't die right now. James, the son, the brother of John, okay, his work is done. But Peter's work is not done. You can't kill him. Herod, I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care how mighty you are. I don't care how great you are, how mighty you think you're going to be, because I'm going to eat you with worms anyway. When I'm ready for you to go, you go. But you can't touch Peter. He's got a job to get done. I love what Paul would say. I've been poured out like a drink offering. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. Laid up for me is a crown of righteousness. See, that's why Paul could say this is my time has come. Because he had finished his course. What are we running? The rat race or God's race? Look at verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Guess who would come serve us when we choose, when we inherit, got saved, and we are sent out to render service? The angels are sent out to render service for what? For those who are saved, and in the book of Hebrews, they are running and want to back up on God. And he's telling them, don't back up. If you back up chapter 10, you will go to destruction. But if you go forward and be endured a process forward, you will be blessed. Why? You have ministering angels that would watch over you. Peter has nothing on you. Nothing on you. When we choose to do what God has called us to do, not back up and hide and not become a community that works together, that prays together, that comes together and fight for what is best for one another and seek to carry out the agenda of God. God says, I got to protect you because you're going to get something done. You are worthy of something. It's like a person who goes to their job and says, I quit the job. And the person, oh, no, 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 we need to keep you here. What kind of money do we need to give you to keep you? You see, because that worker is so important to that business, so productive for that business, they want to pay them more money to stay. They don't want them to walk out the door. But some people are going to quit. They get you have box packed for you. They got a security guard already waiting. 
and they help you find your car. They ready. But there's other places that would say, we'll throw in a package for you. We'll do this for you because you are an asset to us. God said to these people before he could ever tell them, don't turn back to destruction in chapter 10. We understand you're going through hardship, difficulty, pain. But if you choose to move forward, you move toward to be blessed. Why? You have ministering angels. Peter ain't got nothing on you. And that's why in Acts chapter 12, look down to verse 12. This is what we find. is that the church was praying as long as Peter was in jail. Peter was in jail. What I love about our prayer ministry, it blessed me. I get to the list and I make my way sometimes down uh, maybe half the list. But it blesses me when I got to go that there's folks still praying for people. Comfort and care ministry still serving people. Deacons still serving people. Elders still serving people. Why? If that does not happen, oh, folks, you wouldn't stay strong. But are you just receiving the help? And sucking it up and not being a part of a village that makes you blessed. Look at what he says here. And when he realized he went out, Peter says, oh man, I ain't having no dream right now. This is good. And he leaves out. I think Peter right now, and this is implicit in the text to me, I'm not too sure. I can't write a script on this and I've been trying to study it to learn the history and all this other stuff. But Peter seems to be scared up in here. The first thing Christ would tell Peter is, don't fear. What is Peter fighting with throughout his ministry? Fear. Because he knew that about Peter. Peter gets out of there and Peter, he goes straight to the house of prayer. He knew these folk were gathering. He already knew these folk were praying for him. Peter says, I'm not leaving the city without stopping by the house of prayer. When people came together, the church prays. Peter, the apostle Peter, who God just rescued, who did not tell him, go by the house, tell these folks thanks. Peter knew where to go. He goes by this house, and what's beautiful about this is that you would think, oh, Mary and everybody would be going, oh, here is Peter, he is here, oh, wonderful. No, 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 no. It's the slave girl. The slave would hire the slave to watch the gate. When somebody comes to the gate, they don't have no buttons to press or anything like that. The slave girl would go in and say, if somebody's at the gate, the person would tell them, give permission for them to go and let the person in from the gate. Then the person gets to the door. And then the person is at the door giving permission, not giving permission to come in the house. So the slave would meet them at the gate. So Rhoda is at the gate. Peter arrives at the gate. And this, you know, this is what's amazing to me. Rhoda is a slave girl. She is not in the prayer meeting. But she is so concerned about Peter. That's what I love about it. You have to see this in the text. Because you got to see the emotion that's going on here in the slave girl, Rhoda. You can run right past her to Mary. It's her house. They're praying. And they don't even expect Peter to come out of jail like that. You could go there. But I want to go to Rhoda. Let me show you why I go to Rhoda. Because Rhoda, look at how the, look at how the text describes Rhoda. In verse, in verse 13, he says, And when he knocked at the door, at the door of the gate, a servant, servant girl, Rhoda, named Rhoda, came to answer. And when she recognizes Peter's voice, did he say, Peter? He said, What? Here's what? So guess who she knew? Peter. She knew Peter. You know, somebody, if somebody ever call your house and you go, hey, what's up? They don't even have to announce who they are because you know their voice. You recognize their voice means you have a relationship with them. Rhoda, even though she's a slave girl, is obviously a person that is passionate about the church and about Christ because she knows the person who's preaching the gospel so well that she recognizes his voice. So Rhoda is a part of this church. Even though she's a slave girl, she's not in the prayer meeting succinctly like the rest of them because she has to watch the gate. There's no button on the gate. So she can't be in the prayer meeting praying because they're not hearing the gate. They kept praying. Rhoda, her 
heard the gate, which means Rhoda is listening to the gate. Which means Rhoda, when she's listening to the gate, did not go all the way out to the gate because she heard the voice. She knew Peter. Watch what's carefully going on here in this text. She says she knew Peter. So Rhoda runs out. She hears his voice. And because of her joy, oh, you got to see that word in the Greek. The word in the Greek means that her heart danced. Rhoda's heart, if your heart danced that you heard the voice of somebody's going to be killed, slaughtered by Herod, and you know how wicked Herod is because you're in the same city with Herod, having to deal with Herod every day. You're in the same city with the Jews who can't stand the Christians every day. You're in the same city. And the minute you heard the voice of the person who's speaking and you heart go to jumping, guess what that says you feel about that person? You have a relationship with them so much, you were concerned about them. You were in pain over what is taking place. You were afraid of what could take place with them. You were going through all of that with what's taking place with their life. So when you heard that this person is released, you are dancing. Rhoda didn't just run to the people. She is hop, skipping, dancing. Peter is out there. And the word, she's, watch this carefully. She said, that, the Bible says she stood before them, meaning y'all got to stop praying. She's standing up in front of them, demanding their attention. That's what it means in the Greek. She's demanding their attention. You got to hear me now. What are they saying? In the Greek it says she's lost her mind. She's so, watch this carefully. You don't know what you're talking about means Rhoda you so want Peter to get out of jail that you've lost your mind and starting to imagine that he's out. That's literally what it means. This woman cared about Peter. She's a slave girl. That's what I love about Jesus Christ. He don't care if it's Mary, the mother of Mark, who would write the New Testament that is praying and having a meeting. He could use a slave girl. Just because she had the right heart, because she was willing to be so committed to what's taking place, so committed to this person who is starting off the church in Jerusalem, who is instrumental in God using him powerfully to heal the beggar at the temple gate. She's seen Ananias of fire fall dead before him. She's seen God powerfully use this man to grow a church to a mega church. She is going, oh my goodness, he can't go to jail. He is the reason why I I am saved and everybody's functioning here. And she so cares about it. She is standing there saying, I'm telling you. She didn't have to be nobody important. She just had to have that heart. The Samaritan woman had to have that heart. And God would use them. God would use anybody in the village. Anybody in the village. That's what I love about it. You could have just came off of drugs. You love Jesus. You got a heart for Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's do this. <laughs> it don't matter if you were a thief, just got out of jail. You just walked out of prison. You accepted Christ Jesus. You have a heart to serve him. You got a heart to be used by him. God is saying, I'm ready to use you. You ready to go? Let's go. Because the people, the Bible says, who are the most of the sinners that are the sinners that are the sinners, those people, he says, will have a greater heart for him than the ones who call themselves righteous. It is the righteous folks that nailed them to the cross. It is the people who walked around pious and say how wonderful they were as Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. It's the Herods and all these people who thought they were great that put him on a cross. But when it comes to the saved girl, she was ready to be used by God. And God says, I'll use her. Folks, it don't matter who you are. God, when the point of salvation, God saved you. He gave you a spiritual gift. He said, you need to be a part of a church. You cannot operate outside of a church. That's just his structure. That's not a Paul Canning's thing, not a pastor trying to tweak you. That's his structure. You can't go past it. Okay? You just can't. To sit isolated from the church sets yourself up to be destroyed. That's what he says, because the church is his covering. That's why you go through more pain and difficulties outside of a church than inside of a church. And if you go through difficulties inside of a church, you have a better chance of recovering and finding strength, just like Peter did, an apostle of God. He's finding strength. He's able to go on and do the ministry of God. He's able to go on and do great things for God, because the church that he is started, the church that he's a part of, he's still dependent on that church, trusted the people in that church, believe in what they were doing, to stop by the before he left. The thing we take lightly is the thing we need. You can't function outside of a church. 
It's the church where all the spiritual gifts are. It's not going to work. It's not a pastor thing. It's not a church thing. It's not a living word thing. It's just the way God designed it. You may get mad at your heartbeat fast, but you can't take it out. You get mad at your brain and heart goes off in all these different things. What am I brain thinking? Why am I having these thoughts? You take it out, you can't function. It's just the design. You get mad that you <laughs> got to keep having a car key. But the design of the car means you got to have a car key. I don't care if you press the button or not, you still got to have a key. You may get mad that you, you just want to look at television when you want to, but you still have to pay your light because it's designed to need some electricity. God has designed the church as the place, the mechanism, the person, the body, the head of it. It's his body. His spiritual gifts are in it. It is the only place that will help you recover like it is with Peter and empower you like it did through Rhoda. It is the village. Can't operate without it. But our resourcefulness. <laughs> money we have that make us hard for African Americans even now to work together. We're too resourceful now. We're too educated. When people are black, black, we want to hide. Did they really say that? Oh my God. That's what divides us. That's why God says, don't love money. It will corrupt you. Rhoda. I like Rhoda. Look at Rhoda. Rhoda ain't giving up. Look at verse 14. She recognized the voice of Peter on the bottom part of verse 14. So the joy made her, but she ran in. She didn't walk in. She ran in. And announced, she proclaimed. That's what the word means. She's talking loud. She didn't get to see the brother. She didn't see the brother. <laughs> she says to them, hey, it is his angel. What are, they, what are you saying it's his angel? They believe when a person dies that the angel will come out for the person. It's his angel that is out there. That's what the Jews believe. The Jews believe that the person had an angel walking with them. And so when they die, the angel many, many times would speak for the person. So they're saying, Peter is dead. They, they, they <laughs> they're literally saying, Girl, we ain't going to no gate. We're praying, but he dead. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we're praying, but he dead. Isn't it funny how people do that? God, I'm praying you save my children, but they're crazy. God, I pray you save my marriage, but this is messed up. God, I pray you heal me. But look at what the doctors are saying. They're saying this. They're saying that. They're saying that. Oh, God. God is going, what are you praying for? That's like somebody coming, this little girl asked the parents for a dime. Dad, give me a dime, give me a dime. I want a dime because a friend had a dime. Way back in the days when a dime was a good dime. <laughs> okay, right now it's, uh, it's a dime. <laughs> okay, back in them days when a dime was a dime. And she prayed, oh, dad, give me a dime. The dad said, oh, no, 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 baby, no, baby, you don't need a dime. Here's a dollar. Dad, you're not understanding. I need a dime. I'm giving you a dollar. That's ten dimes. Dad, you're not getting it. My friend has a dime. I want a dime. Give me a dime, Dad. Just give me a dime. The baby, this is ten dimes. Dad, I'm not asking you for ten dimes. I'm asking you for one dime so I could be like my friend and have a dime like my friend has a dime. Many of us are like that. Oh, God, bless me. Take care of this. But we're getting up going, God, why are you giving me a dollar? They are literally saying, Peter is dead, but they're praying. <laughs> Who's more effective here? God just saw their faithfulness, but he didn't operate on their faith. Because I read it last week. When you ask for something from God and you doubt, he said, don't expect nothing from me. Nothing. I love this girl. Look at verse 15. I wanted to make this, I almost was tempted to make this sermon about Rhoda. I just called the sermon Rhoda. 
<laughs> I'm trying to write a book on the women of the Bible that made a difference. Look at this. <laughs> in verse 15, it says, you're out of your mind. You're a mad woman because you keep, in other words, you want this Peter, you want him to come out so bad, you're now dreaming here. So Peter goes past the gate to the door. Peter continued knocking, so he's at the door now. And when they had opened the door, they saw him. Now, who saw him? They saw him. This is the first time Rhoda is seeing him. They had to see him to believe it. Some of us got to see the virus in green to believe God is able. <laughs> Some of us say, I, I remember going to Africa. I got, I got people fussing at me left and right. You going to Africa? Yeah, I'm going to Africa. Why are you going to Africa? You told me to go. I said, God, if you open up the doors of the borders and you let me go through the doors of the borders, I'm going. You shut them, I stay home. The first year, he shut them. I stayed home. The other year, he opened them. I went. <laughs> he said, they had to see to believe. What did Jesus Christ say to Thomas? Thomas, the only reason you believe is because you see. But blessed are those who don't see but believe. So in this passage of scripture, who is, who is the star player? Rhoda. Because Rhoda never saw, but she believed. Remember the blind man on the road who everybody is seeing Jesus and they're flocking around him and the blind man just hears his voice and the blind man says, son of David, Jesus the Christ. He started announcing stuff that they wouldn't claim. And Jesus Christ said, this man's faith, because this man can't see, but he's calling me by my divine name. So in spite of the fact that all these people are around me, touching me, he doesn't, they don't get healed, but he does. Remember the woman, the Bible says the people were clowning and were coming around the woman. They were all tight around Jesus Christ. They were so tight around Jesus Christ, the woman couldn't get through. You ever ask yourself how she got through? It's a small village. The road is a dirt road. If her blood is flowing, guess what was behind her every time she walked? Blood. What did the Jewish temple say? You can't touch a woman that has blood. So when they see her coming, they, Jesus Christ by his law already made a way for her to be able to touch his garment. So when they saw her coming, they went, oh God, help me Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So the woman was able to make her way all the way, and because she believed, she said, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and she touched the hem of his garment. He didn't just say, woman, you are healed. He says, woman, you are well. You see, Rhoda didn't see. She believed. They had to see to believe. Some of us got to see everything right. And some of us got to see everything perfectly laid out before we believe. And God is saying, oh, you are the, the ones who don't see but believe. They're blessed. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, I'm ready to preach when I got to calm down. But I, I, this, this fires me up. Because we're always wanting to see. Well, I got to see that to believe it. I don't believe nothing until I see it. We just told God, God, you, gotta, you better show yourself up first for I believe in you. You know how arrogant that is? Every day I'm watching the sun and the moon and I can't do nothing about it. Every day the earth spins and I can't do nothing about it. Every day, God, I go and eat your cow and I can't even make that cow become fertile to have a calf. God, I, I go eat, some folks eat that jerk chicken. God, I, you know, God, I, I can't even make a chicken have another chicken. God, I can't even send the rain so I could drink water. God, I can't even have oil, put oil reservoirs in the ground so I can have gas. God, I can't do nothing. But God, you better show up before I do anything with you. Go to your job and do that. You want, me to, you want me to get this accounting thing done? You better show yourself up and tell me yourself, boss. Don't be sending it through some supervisor. You better come up in here, Mr. President, and tell me what you want. Because if you don't come up in here and tell me what you want when you're the president, I don't want to hear no supervisor telling me what to do. You got to show up in here and tell me what to do. See how fast you exit that job. We're telling the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, come here, show me. And God is saying, what? 
I already sent my preacher. I already sent the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scriptures. And you telling me I got to show up myself before you go do something? Serious? Some of us are going to be stuck right there where we are. Because we're not willing to make the village work. God, I need encouragement. The the village has the gift of encouragement. God, I need wisdom. The village has the gift of wisdom. God, I need prayer. Put the gift of intercessory prayer in in the village. God, I need somebody to give me some benevolence. I put the gift of giving in the village. God, I need to be covered from all of these evil against me. I put... I put the protection for the entire world. The gates of Hades, the keys to the gates of Hades is in the village. You want to stop Satan from coming through the gates? Get the keys in the house of God. That's why when Peter talks Tell them to tell the pastor of the Jerusalem church, James, the brother of John. Peter continued knocking, verse 16. And they opened the door and they saw him and were what? Amazed, because he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. You know, I'm serious. If this virus was to drop dead tomorrow, I guarantee that we believe everything the scientists say. Well, the atmosphere changed, and when the atmosphere changed, because of the temperature in the atmosphere and because of certain molecules in the atmosphere, the mixture of the molecules and the mixture of the virus just worked out to be where it's no different than the vaccine that is helping it to die. So the only reason why the virus has just disappeared off the face of the planet is because of the scientific stuff. We'll go, oh, wow, these scientists did a great job. We wouldn't, that's kind of like the guy who goes on Manhattan Bridge. He says, it's over. It's over, man. I'm sick of life. I'm sick of everything. I'm jumping off this bridge. So he jumps. And on his way down, he says, oh, God, save me. Save me. I've changed my mind. Save me. He hits the water. And right now, as soon as he hits the water, there's a boat that sees him coming in. And it swims. It comes. It, it drives towards him. And it picks him up out of the water. And in the hospital, they look at him and said, how, you, how did you make it? He says, well, you have to understand. When I was jumping, I decided to go feet first. And then because of, the, because of the angle in which I hit the water, I moved my hands to my side. And when I moved my hands to my side and the angle hit the water, I made it because of how I jumped. He forgot that on the way down, he said, God saved me. Some of us, even if God was to stop the virus, would still turn around and make it scientific. Not all the prayers that people have. So we'll be amazed. Oh, wow. It's actually gone. What do I have to do now? The only reason it's gone, because a woman had the guts to call a prayer meeting in the midst of Herod and evil Jews and had a prayer meeting in her house and her ministry touched a servant girl who accepted Christ and believed with all her heart and that rescued a man who to them Ananias and Sapphira fall dead at his feet but that man as powerful as God made him still needed the village That's why the work of God continued in verse 17. We're out of time. I know that doesn't really mean anything to Paul Cannon, but it does. But motioning to them with his hand, he said, be quiet. Peter didn't didn't want to stay on the street, but I can't prove it. He's at the gate. They're taking a long time. He goes to the door. When they come to the door, he says, don't say nothing. I'm out. But tell James and the rest of the brethren. Peter's gone. Peter left. Tell the pastor who's James and tell the rest of the church 
because the whole church was in there. And he left. But folks, please hear me. Because of the village, 1 Peter and 2 Peter is written. We have 1 and 2 Peter today because when Peter ran, he ran to Rome. And in Rome, he writes 1 and 2 Peter in hiding. God didn't save him to go, oh, I'm saved. Thank you, God. I'm out of jail. No, God saved him to get a work done. And when God saved him, he, he and the church and the village worked powerfully, we could sit back today and read 1 and 2 Peter. But it came because of the village. See, folks, <laughs> I understand the difficulties. I'm I'm sick of the mass like you are. As soon as they, soon as, as soon as it's green for two weeks or so, I'm throwing my mask away, and I probably gather all the mask and burn it. I'm tired of the mask. It's even giving me a slight cough right now every time I wear it too long. So I get you with the mask. I get people saying to me, Pastor, I want to come to church, but I don't want to wear a mask for two hours because you preach long. I said, okay, it's better than a ventilator for a week. Folks, I don't really care when I look at the scriptures and I see what they did for me because of the work of God. Because I can read an entire Bible. But if you go to the Pentateuch, that's a man writing the Pentateuch in a wilderness. <laughs> you go to the book of Philippians. That's a man writing the Bible under house arrest. See, we today, African Americans, we all around. But there were people locked in jails and beaten, thrown off of buses. But when my sons came to me one day, I said, Dad, why I got to go to school? I said, no problem. I got to go back to college, Dad. I just get me a job. I said, no problem. Called a friend of mine who had a landscaping business, irrigation business. I said, do me a favor. I'll pay him. I'll pay you to pay him. I don't, you got your budget. I'll pay you to pay him. Don't tell him, though. But give him the hardest work on irrigation. He says, what are you saying, man? Every ditch you got to dig, make him dig it. He's playing, playing football. He's got a scholarship, talking crazy. So since he's been lifting weights, let him shovel the dirt. So he's in there shoveling the dirt, come home. Oh, dad, I need to go lie down. Oh, no, you got dishes. <laughs> you got laundry. You got still stuff to do. You got to get it done. But dad, I'm tired. So am I. So your mama. So your brother. Go wash it. Oh, Dad, art man. Dad, this guy wants to start work at 5 o'clock in the morning. You're blessed. This is Houston. You want to start at 10 o'clock in August? Are you serious right now? But Dad, it's early in the morning. You don't want to go back to school. You don't want to study. Get up early and go. After about two weeks, Dad, you know you've been talking about college. <laughs> you know, folks, I believe strongly that the reason why the church is dispersed along with the world is because God is going to make us want to need it. And no matter where we go, no matter how resourceful we are, we're going to have to respect the village. Let us stand.
want you to come forward today unless the Lord leads you. Because uh, this, I would love for you to join Living Word if you so choose. To my left is Pastor Lawrence. You're welcome to go and speak with him after church. He's right there by the post. Pastor Lawrence, he's right there. Puss in the boots, he's right there. And then you have, uh, you'd like for us to pray with you after service. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no point joining a church if you don't know Christ. You got to know him first. And to know him first is to say that I believe he died for my sins and rose from the dead. He looks at your heart, not your confession. And if he sees that you're sincere like Rhoda, he'll come into your heart. But you have to turn your life over to Christ. Outside of that, Satan can do what he wants with you whenever he chooses to. He can. It's just the mercy of God to let you be in this service, whether you are on live streaming or you're here, to hear a message, to keep trying to draw you in to his family so that you accept Christ in your life. He made you. Every child is a gift from God. He made you. And so he wants you to be saved. But you have to give your life, meaning your heart, to God. A heart meaning I want to surrender who I am to him. I pray that you would do that. But if today God convicted you and you just feel led to come up here and say, God, I've got to take your village serious. I've got to start serving. I've got to start giving. I've got to start helping other people that I've taken for granted, just looking for stuff for me. I want me to be helped. Yes, I would love to pray with you because the village is your sanctuary, your help. God's sanctuary, your help for God's glory and your blessing. So we're going to sing this song a couple of times, and that's about it. And I pray that you would surrender to God, folks. Surrender to God. I, I, hold up a second. I'll be, I'll be quick. I don't have you standing alone. I've already been preached to for that. Why did somebody jump over a bridge? They're hopeless. What does God give? Hope. Why does somebody want to have domestic violence? Anger. What does God give? Peace. Why are people going down highways shooting people? Frustration and anger. What do they need? The joy of the Lord is their strength. So what the world is showing us loud that they need can only be provided in one place, the village. So, folks, even if you want to look at this rationally, it's in front of you. If you have to see it, you're seeing it every day. The village must work. Come today. Give God your heart today.